Is that better? Okay, great. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. All right. Woohoo. Yeah. Well, my name's Janelle, and this morning we're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. It feels really boomy up here with my mic. I don't know if it's because this is nearby. Um, I know that was the problem last week. Okay. So this week we're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. That sounds better to me. Does that sound better to y'all? Okay, great. So uh, last week we finished our teaching on the book of Ephesians. Normally we do expository teaching style where we go verse by verse, line by line through an entire book of the Bible. Last week we finished Ephesians. Next week we're going to be going into the gospel of John. And today we're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. So we're taking just a one week break from our expository teaching. And I thought the kingdom of heaven would be an appropriate topic for us to go over today because I think it's a really great transition between these two because the kingdom of heaven is referenced not only a fair amount in Ephesians, but in a lot of Paul's writings, it's also mentioned in the gospels quite a bit. And because of how often this phrase is mentioned directly or referenced, I feel like learning about it and understanding it would be really helpful in how we live out our Christian lives. So today we're just going to jump right into the teaching because we have a lot to go over and we're going to be spanning the entire bookends of the Bible. We're going to be starting in Genesis. We're going to talk a little bit in the Old Testament. We're going to share some verses from the gospel and we're going to finish in Revelations. And in case anyone hearing this is nervous that Rob is gone and the guest speaker has just said that they're going through the entire Bible, <laughs> know that I'm nervous too. <laughs> No, it's going to be great. I timed it. We should be fine. But that's what we're going to go over today. And I think it'll be, it'll be fun. So in the four Gospels, Jesus is, has met, mentions the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God over 70 times. He's quoted as saying it over 70 times. And what's interesting is he's not saying the exact same phrase 70 times. He's using all different ways to explain this one thing. He's coming at it from different angles. He's talking about it through parables. He's talking about it with the crowds. He's talking about it with the disciples. And he's talking about it with the Pharisees. It's constant. It's important. So now that we know that it's important, we have to ask, what exactly is the kingdom of heaven? And should it really have an impact on the way that I live today? These are good questions. Let's find out together. <laughs> so I want to talk about heaven and earth. I have two circles up here. This blue one represents heaven and the pink one is earth. And I want to point out the different names that we use for the same place. We might talk about it as heaven, the kingdom of God, eternal life. We might refer to heaven that way. Earth might be worded in the Bible as the world, present age, the age of sin and death. Just like to everyone here, my name is Janelle, to my daughter, my name is mom to my nieces and nephews. I'm aunt jelly, you know, different names, same person. That's what I'm trying to communicate here today. And that's something too, where the gospel of Matthew says the kingdom of heaven, the other gospels all say kingdom of God. Now there's some debate as to why Matthew says heaven instead of God. One idea is that he's writing to a primarily like Jewish audience in mind. And at that time, the word God, out of respect for God, his name was not used that often. So people think he chose the word heaven instead. There's some other interesting thoughts as to why he might have done that. But the main thing pretty much everyone can agree on is that kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven can be used interchangeably. So we're going to hear me saying that today. So don't be thrown that I'm talking about two places. I'm talking about the same thing. 
So let's look at this next slide. When we think of heaven and earth, we think of two separate spaces. And now earth, I think we have a pretty good idea of what earth is like because that's where we live. That's where our stuff is. We have an idea of what earth is like because we're familiar with it, we know. But heaven, we couldn't really describe in nearly the same detail that we use to describe earth. The Bible gives us glimpses of what it's really like, but for the most part, it's kind of inconceivable to us. It's kind of this unimaginable thing. We don't have a lot to really compare it to here on earth. But we do know that heaven is a place where God is in charge, where God is the king, where God is the ruler. His idea of right and wrong, God's ideas of right and wrong are the ones that are lived out. Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project says that for the most part, we think of these two spaces as separate and that they definitely are in their nature. But really, we should think of heaven and earth as two dimensions that can overlap in the same space. And what's fascinating about what Dr. Mackey goes on to say is it's one of those things, once you see it, it's kind of hard to unsee it where he says the entire Bible is telling the story of how these two places were once united and God's plan to bring them back together again. The entire Bible is telling that story. And that's why today we are starting in Genesis. We are going to Revelation. I promise I'm not reading every single verse in between. There's a lot of gaps. It'll be great. (laughs) But let me show you what I'm talking about. And let's start with Genesis 1-1. Hey, Jerry, I didn't even know who's going to do that. And there you go. When he said that, I'm like, ooh, spoiler alert. Okay, so uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first verse of the first chapter of the first book. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The rest of the chapter goes on to tell the creation story. And it finishes with chapter 2, verse 1. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. These verses are really interesting because typically we do think of heaven and earth as two separate spaces. I don't know if anyone else ever thought of it like growing up as heaven in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) But here the Bible is describing their perfect overlap being found in the Garden of Eden. Where heaven and earth are united, living together in perfect harmony. Now I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but we know that this doesn't last forever. We already know from the story in Genesis pretty quickly that it does not last forever. And that's because people decided that their ways were better than God's ways. And thus, the heavens and the earth were separated. The fall of mankind was more than Adam and Eve eating fruit they were not supposed to eat. This represented people who knew better, who knew better making intentional choices to follow their own ways instead of God's ways. But instead of allowing things to stay separate forever, God immediately put into motion a plan to reunite these spaces once again, to reconcile these two spaces. Sorry, jumped ahead. I meant to move my notes and I moved the slideshow. (laughs) Um... So let's look a little further in the Old Testament where we're going to jump ahead and we're going to look at the tabernacle and the temple that was put into place. These places were meant to represent God's presence on earth. They became the overlap where heaven and earth meet. 
They don't fully overlap like before, but the tabernacle, which came first and then the temple, they represented God's presence in a broken space. They overlap represented how things could be. But remember, it wasn't so simple to be in the tabernacle and to be in the temple, to be in the Holy of Holies. There was a lot of rules that had to be followed, a lot of rituals that had to be completed, including animal sacrifices that were required to take away someone's sins. And as we know from this story in the Old Testament, this does not last forever either. The people often rebelled against God and eventually were put into exile and their temple was destroyed. The overlap disappeared. And in a time of desolation and despair, a prophet named Daniel uses his voice and speaks hope into the darkness. So let's see what Daniel says. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, it says, And in the days of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So let's look at what Daniel says here, or rather what he's not saying. He's not talking about a tabernacle. He doesn't mention the Garden of Eden. He's not even talking about the temple. He doesn't say the word overlap, but he's talking about a kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom that will never be destroyed. He's talking about the God of heaven setting up a kingdom here on earth. He's talking about a kingdom that will stand forever. So now we're discovering this kingdom concept alongside the concept of heaven and earth. And we want to keep in mind that the Israelites who were waiting for a king and for a Messiah to lead their nation. They were waiting for someone like King David because there was no frame of reference for what Jesus was going to be. That was inconceivable, the way heaven is inconceivable for us. So the closest they could compare it to was something like David. They're looking for a human king that will fight for them. They're looking for a human king to love God the way David did. And while they did get a human king, technically, who ruled their nation and loved God, who he really ended up being and how he ruled and how it was accomplished was unthinkable. It's something we can picture now because it already happened and we can look back. But remember at the time, it's unthinkable. So let's think about this human king that they're waiting for. Let's think about this Messiah In John chapter 1, he shows up and John says in chapter 1, verse 14, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and the only Son. What's interesting about this is when it says he became human human and made his home among us. Other translations say dwelling. That literally translates to tabernacle. He set up a tabernacle among us. So John is claiming that Jesus is now where the overlap is. We learn from Jesus in all the Gospels confirming that it is only through Jesus that we have access to the kingdom of heaven. 
And what's great about this is now we're no longer bound to a geographical location. We also no longer have to offer animal sacrifices in order to be worthy of stepping foot in that space. And that's because Jesus not only represents the tabernacle, he represents the sacrifice that makes us clean. That makes us worthy of God's presence. So living in the overlap of those two spaces, living in the kingdom of heaven, it means surrendering our ideas of right and wrong because heaven is where God's ideas of right and wrong are lived out. So if we're living in the overlap, we're surrendering our ideas of right and wrong and we're following God's ideas of right and wrong. This way of living brings us back to the way things were in paradise, to the way things were in the Garden of Eden. Heaven is a place where God is in charge. It is a place where God is king and his values are lived out. The kingdom of heaven on earth is each one of us living out the belief that God is in charge here also, is allowing him to be in charge of our own lives. Living in the overlap is the acknowledgement that I don't do this very well. I don't do this very well on my own. It's laying down our crown. It's pledging our first allegiance, not to a country, but to a king who sacrificed himself for us. So let's read what Jesus says to the Pharisees when he's describing the kingdom of heaven. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, being asked, by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Here Jesus is trying to emphasize the kingdom of God is not a geographical location. It's not a destination that we travel to like people had to before for the tabernacle or the temple. And it's also not something that we have to wait for to happen. It's in our midst. It's been in our midst for 2,000 years. So let's read a little bit more about what Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven. Let's see what else we can learn. In Matthew 10, 7, Jesus says, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. And here Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's telling them to use their knowledge of the kingdom of heaven and to share it with other people. And Jesus is very clear in the Gospels that this is a message that needs to be shared with other people. It's not meant to be hidden or kept in an exclusive club. It's not meant to be exclusive. This is meant to be shared with everyone. So let's keep going. Let's see what he says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. It says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make their nest in its branches. So this parable could mean a few things. It could represent the gospel and how it started out small, and eventually it spread to the entire world. It could also represent our own personal contributions to the kingdom of heaven. What we do and the ways we add to the kingdom of heaven might feel really insignificant. But Jesus is looking at the big picture. And he sees the large impact that these small differences make. If we live in the kingdom of heaven by believing in Jesus and bowing down to him as our king, then I believe we expand the kingdom of heaven when we choose to live in a way that reflects God's values. 
We expand the kingdom of heaven by choosing to share it with anyone who wants to hear it. And we also expand it when we represent God's values to the world around us. And this is where things get really exciting because there's this thought of, okay, I'm a Christian, so I go to heaven when I die. And yes, I believe that, but it means that there's also things we can be doing right now. It doesn't mean that the good stuff is only later. We're a part of the kingdom of heaven now. And this next part I explain is something that when it was a concept that I began to understand really did change the way I live out my Christianity. And so I hope I do justice in explaining it here today. But I used to think that being the best Christian, you know, because I didn't want to just be a Christian. I want to be the best Christian, right? So to be the best Christian would be someone that only reads the Bible, don't read other books, just the Bible. The music I listen to is only worship music. I'm always praising God in some way. I'm spending all my time at church. And when I'm not at church, I'm wishing I was at church. That's how I pictured the best Christian. But God created a world for us to enjoy. God created earth too. And God put specific passions within each one of us. And I suspect most of those passions will not include 24 hours being spent in this building. (laughs) And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Do you know why? Because the kingdom of heaven is not limited to a geographical location anymore. It's not limited to a church building or any other place for that matter. The kingdom of heaven is wherever I am. The kingdom of heaven is wherever you are. There is nowhere that we can go that Jesus is not with us. Our entire life, any place we are found, is found in the overlap. And we share this overlap not only by being honest about our beliefs and who we believe in and who we serve as king, but we share this when we make choices that reflect God's values, choices that share God's values with the people around us. This means that we get to live out our best Christian life simply by believing in Jesus, sharing his love with others, and following Jesus' example set before us in the Gospels. We are reflecting the values of heaven on earth every time we forgive someone who does not deserve it. We are expanding the kingdom of heaven every time we love our neighbor as ourselves. We expand the kingdom of heaven when we leave the doors of our church open to anyone who wants to hear the message. We expand the kingdom of heaven when we care for the sick. We expand the kingdom of heaven when we feed the hungry. When we stop and look at the community outside these doors and we say, we see you are hurting, we want to help. This means that we are given the freedom to follow the passions in our life, those things that we are passionate about that fit within God's values are not meant to be ignored. I always think of the airline commercial, You are now free to move about the cabin. We as Christians are now free to move about the world. The kingdom of heaven cannot be stopped. Our best Christian lives are lived within the kingdom of heaven. I imagine uh, 
somebody taking notes right now, like, Janelle hates church. Got it. (laughs) Uh, And I just want to clarify, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I actually love church. And that's why I'm here. Because I know I have the freedom to be anywhere I could be. But I feel passionate about being right here. I feel passionate about sharing this message, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to do it. So we know what the kingdom of heaven is. We know that we live in the overlap. We know that we get to be active in our participation right here on earth. We get to be active and participate in the kingdom of heaven expanding on this earth. Sounds good. It's exciting. But (laughs) what if heaven on earth doesn't always feel like heaven on earth? What if heaven, which we think of as paradise, what if heaven on earth is kind of awful? What if it's painful? What about when life that I'm supposed to be living in the overlap feels torturous and exhausting and I feel like I'm drowning? Have we somehow separated from the overlap? Did we accidentally step out of bounds and now we're back on the earth side? I would say that these are legitimate questions and concerns that people have. And I would say that the good news about Christianity is that there's space for those questions too. So let's read in Revelation, our last section of, section of verses. See, we did it, not too bad. We're all the way in Revelation. Uh, it's going to be chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And then it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Woohoo! So the, I didn't write that, but <laughs> I'll take the applause anyway. Um, <laughs> So we often talk about the gospel as the good news, which it's true. It is good news. Uh, We could almost break it down as to good news, bad news, great news. The good news is that God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Good news. The bad news (laughs) is that in following Jesus's example, of humble service to our fellow human being, his example will often lead us through suffering. The painful kind. The great news is that God has a plan for that suffering too. He's got a plan to redeem every ounce of pain, to wipe every tear from our eyes. A plan to make all things right again. 
And just like the verses in Daniel promised a kingdom that would never die, that would never be conquered, Revelation takes it one step further and promises a kingdom of renewed creation without suffering. We are promised that the future kingdom of heaven will be a renewed creation without suffering. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, the epic story that has been unfolding since the beginning of time will be fulfilled once more with heaven and earth reuniting once again. A complete paradise on earth. Something unimaginable. Something we can't fully grasp the concept of yet. Just like the Israelites could not grasp the concept of Jesus before he was there. It's something better than any human comparisons we have because all of those fall short. The kingdom of heaven is certainly found in our past. It's absolutely here in our present. It's in our midst now. And it will be fulfilled in our future. We cannot deny that this world is hard. We should not deny that as Christians. This world is painful. But we also cannot and should not deny that as Christians, Jesus has promised to come back. There are promises to make this right, and we believe in a God who never breaks a promise. We must stay strong and stay the course, even in those dark times. In Luke chapter 23, I didn't put it up here, I'm sorry, I should have. But in Luke chapter 23, Jesus is dying on the cross. And there's people on either side of him. You can look it up in the Bible. It's there. And uh, you can fact check me on this. So one person on one side who's suffering, who's hurting, says to Jesus, if you're the real Messiah, why don't you save us? And that was something growing up. I like really judged that person. And now I'm like, I kind of get it. That feels realistic. If you're God, why don't you save us? Don't you see we're hurting? I think we all have that temptation to doubt God and to question and to give up. But let's look at the example of the other man next to Jesus. He's hanging on the cross and he responds by saying, we are being punished according to what we deserve, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then he goes on to say to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus responds to that man saying, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus led the example in suffering, but we must remember that his example of suffering is not the end. His example of suffering leads to a good ending. It leads to paradise. It leads to heaven. So in the meantime... While we wait, in the midst of joy or in the midst of suffering or both, we as Christians can be found in the overlap. An overlap that is not bound by a geographical location. An overlap that cannot be conquered or destroyed. An overlap that we have access to simply by believing in Jesus and following God's ways instead of our own. 
an overlap that expands every time we freely share the good news. An overlap that expands when God's values replace our own. An overlap that exists in the most exciting places on this planet and an overlap that exists in the most broken places. The kingdom of heaven is where heaven and earth meet. It's an epic tale that started in the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of this ancient text in the Bible. And it's a story that is continuing to unfold that we get to have a part in. It continues to be told today through each one of us in this room. So that's the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot. If you want to look more into it, there's a lot more to look into it. I will say that the graphics today came from the Bible Project. If you want to scan the QR code, there's a six-minute YouTube video that explains what I did better and only in six minutes. So uh, that's worth looking into. And, uh, and I just want to point out the Bible Project is free resources for anybody who wants to learn more about the Bible but maybe feels overwhelmed about where to start during the week. That's a great place to start. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for this time that we get to be together. I thank you for sending your son to die for us. I thank you for allowing us access to the kingdom of heaven. We love you. Thank you for giving us a part to play in expanding it to the world around us. Please help us to stay strong as we wait for heaven and earth to be fully reunited. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.